Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this retrospective edition of Fake News. And let me just go ahead and get this right out there. This is kind of a part two from a subject matter that we started exploring in the previous program, which I went ahead and put out yesterday. I'm giving you part two today because these two parts really go together. We're going to talk about, um, as you know, how we're in Pride Month. This is Pride Month of 2022, LGBT Pride Month. And what I want to do is is take all the history that we discussed last time, and I want to talk about how it led up to the problems that we're seeing in society today. And also, I think I can give some really specific um, outlooks about where this is going in the very near future. I want to say I want to make some educated guesses based on the behavior we've seen of of the history that we just everything that we covered in history and where I think this is leading for the future. So um, let's start today with this idea of the expressive individual. Um, That's the main idea that I would say is produced from all the content we discussed on part one. The idea that man is inherently good. Uh, The idea that deep down in our hearts, you know, we just need to follow our hearts because what our hearts want is right and true and good. That we're not sinful or bad deep down, that we're not inherently sinful or selfish, but that inherently mankind is good. We have good intentions and we want to do good things. And so we can trust our our intentions and our intuitions. Um, That was the Rousseauian thought. Uh, And we went through a bunch of different thinkers last time, how they gave us ideas about how, for example, God is not necessary to understand the world, that we can come up with our own meaning, and that the highest purpose of man is to be happy. And uh, you can't be really truly happy unless you're sexually fulfilled. That's what Freud taught us, that human beings are sexual beings from birth. That's very important, that we're sexual from birth, and that you can't really be happy until you're sexually fulfilled. And so your sexual desires are also inherently good. And so other people should affirm them. If they don't affirm them, then they just have an irrational fear based on taste, not moral principles. Um, We also learn from Dr. John Mooney that sex and gender, they're separate categories. And so your gender can be detached from your biology. And not only that, your true self is your sense of yourself, your psychological sense of yourself, your what they would call your gender, because um, that's the source of your psychological happiness. And that's our highest purpose in life is to be happy. So that was basically, that brings us to what we might call today the expressive individual. Carl Truman is the one who calls calls it that. Um, I, I read his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, and that's where I got uh, much of the information I shared last time. He traced the history of thought over the past few hundred years and how that's brought us to where we are today, where, where we have the expressive individual. And so that phrase means uh, it's the idea that reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. Okay, this is the ideology that reigns supreme today. Reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. And so your internal sense of self and reality, it trumps whatever anyone else would want to say. And that's why you often hear phrases like, speak your truth. Or you hear someone say his truth, her truth, their truth. That phraseology, that's always sounded dangerous to me because I don't like it when you say truth belongs to a person. Uh, I believe there's only one truth. And so we see how over the past few decades, we really started using this phrase a lot, speak your truth. That truth, 
you know, one person can have their own truth and that might be different from data or fact or reality, but it doesn't matter because their experience of truth trumps anything else, okay? This is the expressive individual. The idea that reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. Uh, and so we talked about some of that. Again, you really need to go back and listen to the previous program if you wanna understand where all this came from. Things, when we see things like in critical race theory, where it says that people who are oppressed, that they have a greater access to truth. So in critical race, that's, that's critical theory. So critical race theory says white people don't have as much access to truth as black people. That's why we're told to be silent and let black people share their truth. Uh, and false ideas or ideologies, or I'd even say religions, like critical race theory or modern gender theory, which we're really gonna talk about today, they try to shut you up if you try to speak against it or even to even question it. They tell you that it's, it's not your turn to talk, that you just need to listen. And this is what the left commonly does. And all that stuff is rooted in what I shared in the previous program, going back to the 1700s, even with Rousseau. But for today's program, I really wanna focus on what the modern gender theory is, the current gender ideology. It's rooted in this concept of the expressive individual, that reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. Uh, for example, have you ever heard the phrase lately that words are violence? The idea that words are violence. You know, in the past we used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, we had two different categories for disagreement. We had words and we had violence. It was considered more civil if you disagreed with words, but whenever your disagreement came to punching and kicking, now that was considered violent. That was physical. That was an escalation over words. But like all the distinctions that come with gender theory, they're erasing the distinction between words and violence, saying that words are a form of violence, that they can be resisted with physical violence because you're defending against someone's violent words. Now, why do they say words are violent? Well, what kind of words do they consider violent? If you say that Bruce Jenner is a man, when you say that homosexual activity is wrong or sinful, you know, if you're a Christian, that's considered violence to the left because they consider it an attack on someone's psychology. And a person's psychology, their internal, their inner sense of self, that is how reality is being determined by those on the progressive side. And so if you injure someone's psychology, that's considered just as wrong and just as dangerous as if you physically assaulted them because they say, that words are violence. So expressive individualism, this is the new LGBT way of thinking that's, um, well, it's not just in the LGBT camp, but that's what I'm focusing on for this retrospective. But it's all about validation for the adults. You know, you, you see a lot of times, um, uh, Libs of TikTok does a great job cataloging a lot of this. You'll see like teachers talking about why they, they feel like they must discuss transgenderism or or their sexual orientation they feel like they need to discuss that with their students even students you know who are second grade third grade however young that they want to hang up pride flags in their in their classroom and talk about um they want to talk about their sexual desires with their students uh why do they do that because it's all about validation for the adults there is a term that people use in the non-binary community called mix that they use instead of Mr. and Miss. And I've thought about it. I don't think I like that because I have full intentions of, as a teacher, to go by B, like the letter B, because my first and last name start with B. So it'll just be kind of easier on the kids, I guess, to say B. 
but I don't like mixed B because then it can be like mixed B and it's weird and I don't I don't know it just doesn't suit me I don't think so after some consideration and like really digging in myself I think my kids are going to call me Mr. B my reasoning behind that is although I am non-binary I do feel like I lean a lot more toward masculine despite being assigned female at birth and I don't want to have to conform to any gender norms, especially for my students. And even being a theater teacher, we celebrate diversity and no one should be ashamed of themselves in my class. And I feel that being as open about how I feel being non-binary and where I fall on the spectrum that is gender, I feel like it's really important to not hide that from the students so that maybe they can discover something about themselves too. Why do they feel like they need to do this? Like, wh why are they so driven to talk about their sexual orientation to, their, to their, their young kids? Not their own kids, your kids, the kids in their classroom, these teachers. Why do they do that? It's not what's best for the kids. It's because they want validation for their own feelings. Kids are being used to validate adult psychology. And that's what this LGBT thing is. It's all about getting people to validate you because it's all about their psychology. If you don't validate it and affirm it and celebrate it, then that hurts their psychology and that's actually considered violence to them. And they use kids to do this for two reasons. One, because in a room full of adults, there could be very potentially an adult who might challenge someone on their identity. And this gender ideology, it can't handle being challenged. So what they do is they pick an audience that's more likely to just go along with whatever they say like small children. And two, and when you pick on small children, you can indoctrinate kids into your way of thinking that reality is what you say it is. And and if, you know, maybe despite what their parents think, if they want to teach the kids that uh, alternative sexual lifestyles are something to be celebrated, then they get to teach the kids that, you know, and they don't want the parents to know what they're telling the kids in the classroom. That's why we call them groomers, because they're grooming kids into this false worldview despite what the parents would say. And this is totally working, by the way. We're gonna give some stats later on the shocking number of kids who identify in these in these different um, alternative sexual categories now, or you know, into genders that don't correlate to their biology to genders that are not even actual genders at all, just stuff that people made up very recently. So, uh, and, and I know this to be absolutely true because I talked to local kids about how they, uh, as, as a, someone who works with teenagers a lot. They were telling me just the other day about how at a recent school dance that there were kids coming in who were identifying as animals. Now, kids are coming into their, like coming out publicly in school as animals. They're called the furries. They, they'll come into school wearing collars, leashes. Why do they do this? This is a mental illness. It's induced by these teachers at schools. It's induced by social media, things like TikTok, things like YouTube false worldviews being perpetuated against the young people of society today on a massive scale that they say, hey, you might not be, uh, you know, you might be biologically male, but if you don't feel like a male, you can identify as a female. And then it became, you can identify as, as gender fluid and all these other different made up genders that they've come up with to where now they say you can identify as an animal and that's a category of gender. And we have to treat you as an animal. If you, I'm not kidding here, guys, you need to look this up if you don't believe me. That, that kids will come to school and say that they identify as a cat and that they will meow at the teachers. And <laughs> and you better not growl back because that'll get you in trouble. So, it, it, But a lot of this transgenderism stuff 
It's detached from reality. It's not stuff that's natural or innate, okay? Um, th this is not natural. It's not just a natural thing like, oh, so people have always been this way. They've always secretly thought they were cats and they're just now free to admit it. No, previous generations didn't face this kind of stuff. This is what current kids are. It's exploding in the youth. And it's because it's it's psychological manipulation. It's not something that occurs naturally in in nature or in society. The powers of social media are being harnessed to confuse young people and make, and make them think this. And it starts when you say that you can be a different biological or that you can be a different gender identity than what your biological gender is. Well, once you make that, once you go that far, once you take that step, why does that just, why is it just gender? Why can't you say that about anything? Why can't you identify as a, as a, as a cat or as a car or as an attack helicopter or a robot, whatever you want? Why would it matter? An alien creature, something that doesn't even exist like a unicorn. Why not? Because none of it's detached. None of it is attached to reality in the first place. Uh, and I have literally seen news reports of teachers being asked to meow at the students who identify as cats and that some schools are putting litter boxes in the bathrooms. I, and I said a robot a second ago. I, that comes to mind because I used to use this example. As I, talked, as I talked as a youth pastor to teenagers, and I'd say, this is why um, it's not loving to affirm someone's false gender identity. Like when they say, oh, I'm like, say Bruce Jenner, okay? At Bruce Jenner was a world-renowned male athlete. I think he competed in the Olympics, won medals as a male in the 70s or 80s. And then in the, the past few years, as it's well known, he came out as a woman. He said, oh, I've actually been a woman all this time, that I've been living a lie my whole life. I've never been male. I've always been female. Uh, I've always been a woman. Changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner. And, you know, this was a very well-known case. It's a very public case of transgenderism. And Christians were kind of confused there for a little bit on not, you know, most for the most part, Christians knew that who you are is rooted in who God created you to be and that he doesn't place people in the wrong body. And that's a whole other subject. I won't even get into that today. But for Christians, we were a little confused. Well, should we use female pronouns with a man who identifies as a woman? You know, should we try to do that just out of sake of being polite? And and, you know, this is a debate that even still Christians have lately. But I think as time has gone on, I think it's. I think what I've come around to decide is that it might be considered polite by modern society, but we should not affirm a false reality. If someone is living in a delusion that they are a female when they're actually male, or that they're a cat when they're actually a human, or any sort of delusion like that, that we should not affirm it, that we shouldn't go along with it, even at the sake of being considered rude, because there's truth is higher than politeness as far as priorities. It's good to be polite, but there are higher priorities than just being polite. And and so I mentioned robots a minute ago. I like to use the example of, you know, if my son came to me and said, hey, dad, I just want to let you know I, I, I identify as a robot now. I've decided, you know, I've put a lot of thought into this, and I think I'm not a human being. I'm a robot, and I would like to be treated as such from now on. Okay? If my son came to me, and, and that's what he said, um, guess what? I'm still going to feed him human food. I'm not going to start pour pouring motor oil down his throat <laughs> because that would kill him. That would not be good for him, for him to ingest motor oil. So if if he decided he was a robot and told me that he wanted to be regarded as a robot from now on, I have a choice. Do I want to affirm my son's delusion and mental illness and do things that would be harmful to him just so that he can be psychologically happy? 
Would I give him motor oil to drink at night instead of a, a glass of tea? No, of course not. <laughs> that would not be the actual loving thing to do. To, to perpetuate someone's delusion. That would not be the right thing to do. That would be, that would be morally horrific for a parent to do that to their child. Because their child is not a robot. Period. But I use that example because I think that's something that we can kind of relate to with, with this issue of kids who identify as a different gender and they start wanting to take injections of hormones and puberty blockers or putting litter boxes in the bathroom at the school. Whenever you do that stuff, you're perpetuating a delusion. And that's not healthy for the person living in the delusion. Okay? If someone's addicted to heroin, you don't cheer on their addiction, you know, and celebrate celebrate heroin and give them free heroin. You don't do that. Not if you love them. Not if you actually do care about them. And society has gotten so confused that we think, oh, it's, it's just important to show people love and affirm their delusions and use their pronouns and make them feel happy. But guys, there, there's higher things in this world than being happy. Exalting truth is more important than someone's psychological well-being. And so, whether someone wants to identify as, as a boy when they're a girl, or a girl when they're a boy, or a cat, or whatever, or a robot, if it's any of that, we should not go along with it because that's not the loving or the right thing to do, regardless of what society says. Now, this current LGBT movement, they have plans, okay? They have an agenda, and their agenda's not done yet. Um, what they, one of their things is they wanted to destroy what's called the nuclear family. This was even one of Black Lives Matters as, as an organization on their website. This was one of their stated goals on their website, to destroy the concept of the nuclear family, a mom, a dad, and the kids. Now, why is that? Well, that was Karl Marx's agenda, as we discussed before. Um, a, part, a, part of, a part of all this is they want to introduce socialism. Karl Marx found out early on one of the biggest things to impede socialism from going through a country is the concept of the nuclear family. Um, so there's forces at work to destroy the structure of America so that it can be remade in socialism. And Black Lives Matter is one of their tools for getting that done. This is the end goal of Black Lives Matter and the, and the sexual revolution. They want to make a, a socialist society. I know that's kind of boring to make it all go back to money, but this is one of their this is one of their long-term goals. And they use things like Black Lives Matter and the LGBT groups to do this. And one of the ways they want to do this is destroying the nuclear family. Why would Black Lives Matter, uh, supposedly interested in civil rights and racism, why would they also have it as one of their main agenda items to destroy the nuclear family? Why Why is that? Because it's not really about... <laughs> it's not about the racism for Black Lives Matter. Black lives don't really matter to Black Lives Matter. It's got a long-term goal of remaking, re remaking society into a socialistic society. They're not even... That's not even a conspiracy theory. They're open about this if you just go pay attention to what they say. So anyway, redefining what a family is, is about for the LGBT crowd, this is about legitimizing non-straight parents. They don't want to make the nuclear family to be something that's normal because that's they don't like what they call heteronormativity. They want to make it more legitimate to be um, to have like families that are with non-straight parents. Or, it, or all kinds of strange combinations. Um, it's not about what's best for the kids, obviously. Because statistically speaking, it's clear what's best for the kids. For There's nothing better for a kid than to grow up in the nuclear family structure with a mom and a dad. That's where they get the most stability. That's where they get the most um, psychological well-being for the children. 
But this LGBT movement is not about what's best for the kids. It's about validating the adults, which again is like why I say that's why so many teachers are desperate to come out to their students. They want the affirmation and kids are the most easily persuadable to applaud you. They're the most vulnerable. And that's why they want to force you to do things like make a wedding cake for them. Okay. It's not about them getting a cake because you can get a cake anywhere, but they want to force you to acknowledge their wedding. And that's why they can't stand it. If a company that provides stuff for weddings doesn't want to do cakes for gay weddings, decorate a cake for gay wedding. In fact, here's a, here's a quote from that book, uh, the rise and triumph of the modern self. It's by Carl Truman. Here's a quote from that book. Basic economic categories of, of oppression still exist, but they're generally eclipsed in the media by discussions of psychologically oppressive actions. The refusal to bake a cake for a gay wedding, for example, does not push the gay couple into starvation or any other form of economic hardship. Rather, it offends against their dignity and inflicts psychological harm by refusing to recognize them on their own terms. And that is regarded as very serious because it is politically oppressive in a world in which psychological categories have come to dominate discussion. Wilhelm Reich's Freudian focus on sex opens the way for precisely the kind of discourse of oppression that now touches so many other areas of life and forms an important part of the modern social imaginary. And again, that's from Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, where he talks about this idea of the expressive individual, that reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. And this idea of the what we're calling the expressive individual, but I've, we've kind of given you a definition a few times. Um, this is recognized in American law. The expressive individual is recognized in American law that you can determine reality for yourself. They, and, and when I say American law, by the Supreme Court, in the case Planned Parenthood versus Casey. This is a case from 1992 or 93. Um, and and right in the, the majority opinion on that case of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, they're talking, it's a case about abortion, but they're talking about who gets to decide what a person is. And here's a quote from the Supreme Court. Tell me if this sounds like legal language to you or if this sounds like Rousseau and Freud and John Money, who we talked about last time. Listen to this quote. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Beliefs about these matters could not define the attributes of personhood were they formed under compulsion of the state. So for the Supreme Court, personhood, that's a religious belief, and it's a human liberty. Okay, everyone has the right to define their own concept of existence, and they enshrine this into our laws they put it right there alongside the right to kill your baby <laughs> by saying you can deny a baby personhood because this is a woman's liberty to do that. But they say for the rest of us, for those who have been born, it's a fundamental right for the rest of us, the heart of liberty, they say, that we can determine our own existence. The expressive individual, reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself. It's in our own, it came from our own Supreme Court in 1992. In the AIDS crisis, um, if, which this was before I was born. So I, this is history for me, but to look back at it, um, the age crisis of the eighties, that it was spreading primarily among, uh, the homosexual community. And, and so the originally AIDS was called grid G R I D gay related autoimmune efficiency disorder. And they later changed the name because they thought it sounded too uh, like discriminatory against gay people. But it was called that because it, it primarily affected, and still to this day, primarily, AIDS is something that affects the gay community. It spreads through the gay community. Um, but when, when that was discovered in the AIDS crisis, the left's response, okay, they said, hey, 
Just because AIDS is spreading among the gay people, don't let that dissuade you from acting on your sexual impulses. There is a big push that we should not let this make us, I don't know if they were using the word homophobic really a lot back then. They're saying, don't let this make us homophobic, okay? Don't let biological reality here, um, medical science, don't let that dissuade you from having illicit sexual encounters with whoever you want, okay? Like last time, this is going to be a PG-13 <laughs> program, okay, guys? <laughs> But basically, the left said, don't let reality stop you from acting out sexually in whatever way you want, okay? Hey, they didn't say be careful with the gay sex because it, you might die. They said, no, only bigots would use the AIDS epidemic to try to stop you from going to gay bars and having interactions with complete strangers. They did a very similar thing the past few weeks with monkeypox. If you remember the monkeypox thing, for like 45 minutes, the media tried to make us afraid that monkeypox was going to be this big medical scare that this smallpox type of um, pandemic might be the next thing now after coronavirus. They called it, <laughs> it just sounds silly to even say monkeypox. Well, the fear campaign with monkeypox, it basically died down once it turned out that monkeypox almost always spreads among the homosexual community. And the reason is that it's it's so hard to catch monkeypox, monkeypox that you basically just get it through unprotected sexual contact and the the places where this monkeypox was popping up in in Europe and in the United States it was locations where there had frankly where there had been gay orgies going on uh okay the what they sometimes called the bathhouses which apparently bathhouse is a code word for some sexual meetup place anyway it was at places like this that monkeypox was getting spread around and so uh it kind of like AIDS this was a this was a disease that primarily affects the homosexual community because of dangerous sexual encounters, unsafe sexual encounters, okay? This is what was this is what they were saying. Here's a liberal on Twitter. The answer isn't to shut down all these parties, to tell gay men to stop having sex or to dancing in close proximity to each other. It won't work. It didn't work for HIV or other kinds of infectious disease outbreaks among gay men. <laughs> you know, he says, "Hey, it didn't work to stop having sex. That didn't work for AIDS." Well, as I told you, they weren't telling you to stop having sex back during the AIDS epidemic. <laughs> they were telling you, don't let this stop you. So, of course, that didn't work <laughs> for the, the AIDS thing. All right. But they're saying, don't let monkeypox dissuade you. And then the liberal on Twitter, his name is Greg Gonzalez. He says, and he's some kind of blue check. I don't know what his title is, but he said, this is what we do. Number one, don't panic. Number two, don't stigmatize. Number three, don't suddenly become sex negative. That means don't be afraid to have sex. Have as much sex as you were having before. <laughs> Regardless of the monkeypox <laughs> threat <laughs> that's affecting primarily the gay community. You know, don't let this stop you from having sex. Number four, educate men on what to watch out for. Five, ask people to stay home if they're sick or have some unusual lesion pop up. Okay. <laughs> Why are they like this? Why do they want to make sure that even if there's monkeypox, a smallpox epidemic breaking out, that you that you don't let this stop you from going to sexual parties or wherever people go to, to spread this stuff around. Don't let this stop you. Why are they like that? Because self trumps all. The self trumps biological reality, medical science. Your sexual fulfillment is more important than reality. It's more important than your own health. Like I remember when, uh, when uh, COVID-19 was kind of in its earlier stages and, and, the this 
the semester after when some people started to go back to school, a lot of colleges were going back to school. And one university released guidelines for how how college students could have sex with their masks on <laughs> to make sure that, you know, and talk about, no, talking to straight ones, talking to straight people says, hey, you know, make sure you wear your mask while you're having sex. Like, where is the logic in that? <laughs> if you're you're like, don't spread the coronavirus. So make sure you have your mask on when you're in bed with somebody. I mean, it makes no logical sense. Why, why not tell them to stop having sex if you're that worried about COVID-19 spreading around? They're not going to tell people to stop having sex, even if that would help stop a virus. They just say, hey, make sure you wear your mask, which is going to literally, that's going to do nothing if you're naked with somebody. But the, your sexual fulfillment is more important than reality. Your, se- your sexual, and I'm not, that's not me saying that to these people. Your sexual fulfillment is more important than reality. It's more important than your own health. Don't worry about AIDS or monkeypox. Do what makes you happy. It's this whole philosophy. It started with Rousseau and has brought us to where we are today. You know, one thing I love about this movement is that they call it pride. Like, I couldn't have chosen a better word for it. It's perfect. Pride. I I say I couldn't have chosen a better word, but I know who did. So I want to give him all the credit. I want to point something out here from the Bible. And even if you're not a Christian, I think you're going to find this interesting because this goes back to um, our traditional understandings of reality and morality. Okay? And it's that pride is the original sin. Adam and Eve in the garden was not the first sin. The first sin took place up in heaven. God created the cosmos. God created everything that exists. And and God's greatest enemy is Satan, the devil. And he was originally created as an angel. But Satan became prideful. He wanted the worship that God was receiving. And Satan wanted to be the one who was worshipped. He wanted to be God. He wanted reality to bend to his will. He didn't want to submit to someone else's reality. He wanted things his way. And Isaiah 14 gives some quotes here from, from Satan's attitude during all this. This is what This is what Satan was saying. I will ascend up to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Notice how many times you see the words I will in those verses in that quote from Satan. I, 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 my will. Not God's will, my will. Pride is the original sin. So I want to give the devil a lot of credit for creating this whole new worldview where the ultimate arbiter of truth is I. Everything is about my will. Pride could not be a better slogan for this movement because it's all about affirming the individual. U.S. Air Force just put out this tweet. It says, Happy Pride Month. We are the best United States Air Force by leveraging the diverse backgrounds and strengths of each member of our total force. We are committed to making the Air Force a place where all can reach their full potential. Hashtag pride, hashtag pride month, hashtag celebrate pride. This is what the United States Air Force is putting out now. Talking to you about pride and reaching your full potential. I don't know who needs to hear this, but guys, that's not what the Air Force is about. The Air Force is about killing bad guys, specifically the ones flying around in the sky, stopping them. Or bombing the bad guys on the ground. But that's what the point of the Air Force is. 
Okay? Killing bad guys. However, the United States Air Force is trying to rewrite itself under the current administration to where now the Air Force is about you. It's about helping you to be the best you, including celebrating your sexual orientation. We're committed to making the Air Force a place where all can reach their full potential. That's what they tweeted out. (laughs) The Air Force is not a place where it's supposed to be about you, but that's what they're trying to make it now. Because this LGBT movement, this is an inherently selfish movement. It's all about what you want for yourself. I'm going to play a clip here. This is, I believe his original name was William Thomas, which is what I'd prefer to call him. But he did change his name to Leah Thomas. And this is the young man who came out as a female. I mean, announced that he believes he's a female. And our delusional society decided to go along with that and let him swim on the swim team in college against other females. Sad to say, he blew him away. He swam way, way faster, so much faster than all these biological women because he's a male. He has a male body. He's a male in every sense of the word, despite what his delusion is about himself. So he said, well, I've, I, you know, I've been a male athlete my whole life. I've been a swimmer my whole life. But now I'm going to start swimming against girls. And he totally demolished their times uh, in the NCAA championships. Okay, let me play a clip. This was him just a few days ago. Um, well, I'm recording this a week early. This was him at the start of June talking to Good Morning America about why he swam as a female on the female swim teams. After following NCAA guidelines of a year of hormone therapy to change gender categories, Thomas started her senior year on the women's team. But her success in the water was met with outrage leading up to the NCAA championships. Her critics say she jumped in the rankings between the men's and the women's team. And there are some who look at the data and suggest that you're enjoying a competitive advantage. What do you say to that? There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how, how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. And sophomore year, um, where I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. And so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training into racing. Trans people don't transition for athletics. We transition to be happy and authentic and our true selves. One thing, for, uh, there's a lot to say about this clip and we will, we'll say it all, but one thing early on you might have noticed, it said, critics say, that, talking about, critics say that he jumped in the ra- ranking. Well, they're saying she. Critics say that she jumped in the rankings. <laughs> That's something that the, the person on Good Morning America points out as a claim that critics make that William slash Leah Thomas jumped in the rankings when he went from competing with the boys to competing with the girls. Critics say he jumped in the rankings. Do you know want to know what else? That's just a fact. <laughs> the critics of this are saying facts. I love how the, you know, they don't intend to do this, but I love how the lying journalists, like, <laughs> they put they give the truth. They give us the power of the truth. They give us the power of facts. Critics of Leah Thomas say this. And then she just states outright facts. Okay. William Thomas was ranked 554 in men's college swimming. Totally unspectacular as an athlete. 554. Nobody's writing home to grandma to brag about being 554. Okay. Thomas starts competing against women 
jumps from number 554 in the nation to number five. He went from 554 against men to now being number five when competing against women. So Leah Thomas's official ranking is now number five. But also notice what they asked here in the question. They say, does this give you an advantage? That's what the, the so-called journalist says to Leah Thomas, William Thomas. Does this give you an advantage when we just gave you the, the facts right there that he was 554 against men, swims against women, and jumps to number five? And they say, does this give you an advantage? And this is what Thomas said. I'm happy now. <laughs> like, that's an answer to the question. Does this give you a statistical or, or biological, physical advantage when you're competing against girls? Well, I'm happy now. Like, that's his answer to the question. <laughs> He's not going to acknowledge reality. Okay? Obviously. If he was acknowledging reality, he wouldn't be identifying as a female. He won't acknowledge even his physical advantage. His answer is, but I'm happy now. You know what that is? That is pride for you. And it's an inherently selfish movement. The LGBT movement, it's all about the self, all about your personal happiness. And so I hope I've made it clear as we've gone through yesterday's program and this new one today, how we got to this point. But we're not done yet. Let's talk about where this is going next, and then I want to talk about how to fight back, okay? So let's keep going here. Back when gay marriage was legalized, we had the slippery slope debate. Christians were always asking what was next. You know, after gay marriage legalized, what are you going to try to do next? Is it incest? Is it polygamy? Well, the answer is something that I actually didn't see coming back then. The left is now trying to normalize and promote pedophilia as a legitimate sexual orientation. This is the movement currently underway. Whether they will openly acknowledge it or not, this is definitely what's happening. I'll give you examples. But we can see where this is going, and we're going there faster than we could have imagined uh, because we're seeing a complete sexualization of children. Um, so I always wondered, like, are they going to go for incest next? Are they going to try to normalize polygamy? What's the next civil rights frontier that the left wants to rewrite? And I think it's actually going to be the children. And this is not some conspiracy theory because the LGBT lobby openly says this stuff. You might remember this tune. This was less than a year ago. The San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, they put out an original song, uh, We're Coming for Your Children. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco. Make him wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. Nobody asked them to put this out. They just decided, hey, you know what? Let's put out a new song for the year. <laughs> and this is what they decided to make it. Quite literally. We're coming for your children. I mean, they just did it. 
If the open celebration of Pride didn't clue you in already, I don't know what to tell you. The, the devil is not interested in being subtle anymore. This is what they're saying now. And, you know, speaking of Pride, uh, when I was a kid, there, there was this delightful cartoon that we watched as a kid called The Proud Family. Um, we watched this show all the time when I was a kid. Now, you might not know this, but they have a modern reboot of The Proud Family. Disney has relaunched the show. I think it might have like the same characters. Maybe they're adults now or something. I'm not sure. There's been so many reboots lately. I don't really keep up with it anymore. But but they have a new Proud Family out. But this new one is about gay pride. It features a, a homosexual married couple. And the new Proud Family is called Louder and Prouder. Uh, there's a Disney executive who worked on this show. And, and she was speaking to Disney employees and talking about how for years she has tried to stick the gay agenda into shows. Now, those are her words, as you're going to hear in a minute. But I want to emphasize that because they're, that they're her words. Conservatives have rallied and uh, conservatives have railed about the gay agenda in Hollywood for years. Um, back when the devil used to be subtle, not subtle anymore, obviously, but back when he used to be subtle, we used to always talk about the gay agenda that you'd see it popping up. And we were mocked. The gay agenda, blah, blah. Where do you think these secret meetings are going on where people are trying to push a gay agenda? Well, a Disney executive, her name's Latoya Ravineau. She's an executive producer for Disney Television Animation. She was caught on a on a video talking to employees. It, the, the, it was released by journalist Chris Rufo. And she she talked about her, what she says is her not-so-secret gay agenda. It's like, I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like, I worked at small studios most of my career. And I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my, like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must've happened in the last, like, like they are turning it around. They're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background. Start, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of but like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. A not so secret gay agenda. So as the song said, as our entertainment industry said, they want to convert your children into this new worldview. Not just to con convert them to be gay, but to convert them into thinking that reality is whatever you believe it to be. And it's not just the movies. It's not just San Francisco. This is happening in our entire education system. It's happening in the schools. I mean, the universities have been hellholes for a couple decades. And I mean, when I say hellhole, I mean that quite literally. But the conservatives... They let their guards down on first on the universities and they've let their guards down. I, they have let the schools go. They've let the education system be completely taken over by the left to where the left has corrupted all the schools, not just the universities, not just the high schools, the elementary schools and the middle schools too. Um, let me play. I'm going to play a clip, but it doesn't really matter on the audio. This is a visually stunning clip, but I'm going to play a clip of how elementary schools around the country, how they will regularly feature 
drag queen performances, which are men who dress up as women and they come and dance for the children. Not just dressed up as women, they were dressed in extremely revealing and provocative clothing, okay? The kind of clothing that people 30 years ago used to attend a strip club to see and hope that nobody recognized them there. Well, today it's going on in second grade class assemblies. Uh, Lives of TikTok has been cataloging this relentlessly. It's not just an isolated case here or there. It's all over the place. It's in every state. It's not just in liberal cities. It's in small towns all around America. Here's one. Here, This is a clip. Again, you can only hear it, but this is a dance going on at Ankeny Schools in Iowa. Okay? In Iowa. As you're listening, there's a man in a leotard. Okay? A man in a leotard. Just me saying that, that's the kind of mental picture. You're probably mad at me for even putting it into your mind. But if you send your kids to public schools, okay, even if you're in small town Iowa, the risk you run is that you're putting this in front of your kids, not just putting it as a mental picture in their minds, putting it literally right in front of their eyes. This is happening in schools all around the country. Not to mention a lot of the pornographic books they have available in a lot of these school classrooms. Um, Just here in June, okay? I'm recording this program on June the 4th. So I'm going to read to you just what just what um, Libs of TikTok has posted in the last five days, some of the things that they've posted, okay? I'm recording this early, and I'm releasing it later because I'm going out of town, and I won't be able to do a new episode for next week. And I already had a new episode at the start of this week. So I basically, I'm just trying to get some episodes out for while I'm out of town so that I don't have a big time gap of, of no new episodes so I'm out of town right now, but but anyway, um, I want to just share just from, this is June 4th, just from the past few days, what has been going on in schools and in places all around the country. Thank you to Libs of TikTok. So Amesbury Library in Massachusetts, they're having drag queen story time with for kids with a drag queen. And the drag queen posted this image on Facebook promoting the event, telling kids, that he will be their parent if their parents aren't accepting of them being wanting to be LGBT. Libs of TikTok, uh, or Pizza Hut. Um, this is Libs of TikTok reporting it. But Pizza Hut announced they're sponsoring a program which incentivizes kids in pre-K through sixth grade to read books during the summer. This week, one of their suggested books is called Big Wig. It's a book about a child who becomes a drag performer. Oak Grove, South Dakota. Their school district voted last month to require all of their 18 schools, which have schools from preschool through eighth grade, that they have progress pride flag hang at the school all year round. Okay, so these are the people in charge of thousands of kids' education, and this is what they are doing. They're enforcing that all their schools need to have the progress pride flag hang all year round. Kenosha, Wisconsin. They're hosting a youth drag show that they advertise it saying are you under the age of 18 kenosha pride is looking specifically for minors to dress up in drag and perform on stage with drag queens okay now let me just say this let's say 20 years ago i went and put up a poster asking for children under 18 okay children of any age to come and perform sexually suggestive dances in skimpy clothing for me if i had done that i would have been rightly arrested labeled a sex offender, a pedophile, there'd be news articles about the disgusting pervert in your town so people would be warned to stay away from him. But if you slap gay pride on the poster, for some reason now it gets a pass. 
Okay? Like, like as a straight man, if I put up a poster like that today in 2022 asking kids to come perform sexual dances for me, I would still be called a pedophile. But if you put gay on it, it becomes something to celebrate. This is the world that we are living in today, folks. A bar in Dallas, Texas. Okay? A bar in Dallas, Texas. They're advertising a drag show for children, including the opportunity for some kids to perform with the drag queens on, on stage. The event is called Drag the Kids to Pride. There's a Massachusetts preschool inviting a drag queen to come and read to the class. Uh, Alameda County Library in California hosted a drag show for adults and kids. The kids were invited up on stage to dance with the adults. Again, I can only play the audio on this podcast, but let me just describe for a minute what's going on. Adults are throwing money up on the stage at the children as if the children are strippers because they're going up on stage to dance and the adults are throwing money up at them. Now, why would you do that? <laughs> like, why would someone do that? Are you trying to train kids to be future strippers? Like, what's the logic here? When did it become okay to sexualize kids by treating them like strippers and, and have them dance on stage with scantily clad adults, okay, which these adults are mentally ill adults who are dressed in female clothing, is perverse at every level. The, everybody involved in this thing should be in jail for life. And again, if this was straight people, if you had a, like, if you were getting a young girl to dance up on stage and a bunch of disgusting guys were throwing money at her, uh, hopefully there would be some legal repercussions for that. But you call it gay pride event and anything goes. Even these pedophilic sexual abusers of children, it just goes, it goes just fine because it's, it's drag as if that makes it all better. Thank you to Libs of TikTok for bravely recording all this stuff for us to be aware of. This is what's going on in schools around the country. Now, why? Why is the left in this country so desperate to trans the kids? Well, here's a few reasons. One, it's a way to indoctrinate kids against their parents. They trans the kids. So, you know, if a kid identifies as something other than straight, then the school uses that to drive a wedge between the parent and the child. They keep it a secret. If the parent finds out about the child's new identity, then they either must accept it or they could lose their parental rights over the child. So essentially, the government owns your child. And if you don't go along with the child's new chosen identity, you don't get to take care of your own child anymore. This has literally happened in Texas. Um, it's happened It's happened in Canada, um, which is always a little bit crazier than us, but we find a way to catch up before long. But in Canada recently, a dad lost custody of his daughter, and he was put in jail for misgendering her. He was put in jail because he called her by her biological gender instead of her chosen male gender. And he not only lost custody of his daughter, he was put in jail. Do you think this won't come to America? I'm just telling you now, this is their goal. And they're using this stuff to drive a wedge between the kids and the traditional values of their parents. To say, hey, if you don't affirm your child's new identity that we've indoctrinated him or her into, if you don't accept it and affirm it and celebrate it, you might lose custody of your own kid. And you maybe you say, well, that's only the LGBT kids. That's just a small part of the population. Actually, the current youngest generation, the kids in school right now, about 40% are identifying. And I know that sounds like an outrageous number. When I say 40% are identifying as, as LGBT, that sounds outrageous. But you go talk to a middle schooler. I ask the kids that, that I work with, I say, 
How many kids are identifying as LGBT at your school? And they say, it seems like about half. Okay. And there's lots of reasons for this. They might not all be serious about it, but if you identify as one of these LGBT categories, um, which it's more than just the, the LGBT, there's the, the queers, pansexuals, all this kind of stuff, gender fluid. If you check any of those boxes, you're kind of seen as a little bit extra special. There's now a whole month of the year where they celebrate you, Pride Month, okay? So you're a little bit extra popular if you identify in one of these categories. So it's very trendy. That's why a lot of kids are getting sucked into it. But Gallup had a poll late last year. They say that among millennials, 30% identify as LGBT. That's more than three times that of the rest of the adult population. When you look at the youngest of the group, ages 18 to 24, which some are calling Gen Z, they found that 39% of that group call themselves LGBT. 18 to 24, 39%. If you look at high school and middle school, the just the, the next one's younger, it's even more. Why is this? Because it's a social contagion. It's not natural, okay? And I don't mean that in the usual sense. Yes, homosexuality, it goes against nature as far as the natural order that God created the world to run in. Yes, it goes against that. Despite that, there's always been a, a number of homosexuals and people who engage in all kinds of deviant sexual behavior among us. Yes, that's always been a thing but not at 30 or 40%, not that. This shows that it's a learned behavior. Kids can be conditioned into it. Kids can be confused about it. Kids can be coaxed into it. And when you tell them that despite biology that they might be a different gender, that is something that confuses kids. And it's evil and it's depraved to do that. It's not just that we teach the idea of the expressive individual, that whatever you feel is the truth. Kids are being manipulated to believe that there's a really good chance that they're gay. That's why we call it grooming. The belief is being induced when they're way too young to discern reality from what the adults are telling them. All I'm pointing out here, a lot of this is societally shaped. Now, I said earlier, I think there's going to be a push to promote pedophilia. And here's how. Because when they normalized homosexuality and gay marriage, they tore down the old ways of thinking about sex and marriage and gender relationships. They didn't like the old system. Okay? And regardless of what you think about the old system, you can't deny that it was at least a system. <laughs> it was a man and woman together for life, raising kids, providing a stable household environment. And we said that anything else that's not that, it's not ideal okay anything less than that is is not ideal homosexuality is wrong bestiality is wrong pedophilia is wrong adultery is wrong polygamy is wrong anything other than the nuclear family was wrong or at least less than ideal now maybe you didn't like that system but it was at least a system it was the bedrock of society around the world for thousands of years and the left decided to tear that down and said they wanted to create something new. Only the thing they created in its place is not a system. The only rule in their new so-called system, the only rule is consent. They say that anything between two consenting adults is morally acceptable and should in fact be celebrated with a pride month. That consent is all that matters. Love is love. That was their one rule. They didn't have any other rules. So we who argued with them we took that idea to its logical conclusion. We said, well, what about polygamy? And they said, oh, that's the slippery slope argument. 
So we said, okay, what about incest? They said, hey, that's the slippery slope argument. We'd say, yeah, but you said consent is all that matters. So, I mean, do you apply that to anything else besides gay marriage? Is this, is this an actual principle that you live by? Or is this only useful to you insofar as you can use it for this political advantage in the gay marriage debate? And they would never talk about applying these principles that they came up with to anything other than homosexuality. And if you tried to talk about it logically with them, they would just say, hey, that's the slippery slope fallacy. Well, come to find out, they had not thought through their own positions, okay? We, the conservatives, we were able to think through the logical conclusions of their arguments, but for whatever reason, they were not. They just relied on these empty slogans that had no logical sense, okay? Now, there was one area where they had to come back. If you said to them, but what about pedophilia? What if an adult loves a child and an adult wants a sexual relationship with that child? Well, they had an answer to that one. They said, aha, but a child cannot consent. Now, that seems like a reasonable answer, except the consent laws are not something that's set in stone, okay? Not nearly as much as marriage used to be set in stone. If marriage can be relitigated, why could consent not be relitigated down the road as well? If we could change one, it's not hard to change the other. But if we pointed that out, they said, hey, that's the slippery slope argument. <laughs> so it was obvious that they just had no rules anymore whenever it came to sex. If homosexuality is just a sexual orientation, why could you not classify pedophilia the same way? Why couldn't an abnormal attraction to dogs or cows or siblings or whatever, why couldn't that be a sexual orientation? And if it's a sexual orientation, haven't we been told that's something that you're born with? As Lady Gaga put it, born that way? If you're born that way, why should we despise it? Didn't Freud teach us that our sexual distastes, that those are just subjective? Something that we shouldn't judge about one another? Didn't Rousseau teach us that what we believe in our heart, that, that we're inherently good, and so what we desire is inherently good? So they said, they told us, that kids can't consent to sex, and so that was just the end of the argument, that pedophilia would never be legalized. But what has the left been doing ever since 2015? Constantly sexualizing children, teaching them that you can't choose your own gender at any age. They're saying that you can consent to sex change surgeries or hormone treatments before you're 18. They say that you can consent to changing your name, your gender, to something that's not even human. And your parents don't have to know anything about it, that they're not even supposed to know. So five or ten years from now, I could easily see them making the argument if kids can consent to changing their sex, why can't kids consent to having sex? If they can consent to all these other things, why can't they consent to just one more? And this might not be all at once. It might be like in California, where they recently lowered the age of consent to 14. In California, a 14-year-old could go out and seek sexual relations with a 50-year-old. Or the other way around, a 50-year-old could seek out a 14-year-old for sex. That could happen in California. And a 14-year-old is going to be much more willing to go along with that when you start teaching them sex ed and giving them drag shows when they're in kindergarten, as we're doing in schools around the country now. That's considered progress to these psychos. And if you remember what I said before, what starts in California, it often works its way across the rest of the country over time. But we can see what they're doing. I'm not even sure if all of them understand what they're doing. But we can see what they're doing. Like, we can see the groundwork being laid for a normalization of adult-child sexual relationships later on. 
And, and when I say they don't all understand what they're doing, there's some people on the left that just, they're useful idiots, okay? If you're someone who supports this sex ed being taught in first grade or kindergarten, and you're like, hey, I'm not pro-pedophilia, but I just, for whatever reason, whatever your demented reasons are, you think kids need to know about this stuff from the schools instead of their parents telling it, telling them about it later. That you think this is something that the government's role is to do, okay? Whenever you believe that, you are laying the groundwork for a normalization of adult-child sexual relationships later on, whether you realize that or not. Why do I know that this is what I can see coming, even if they can't see it coming? <laughs> because I understand how to take their ideas to their logical conclusions, something the left doesn't even do a lot of the time. They always like to dwell on what they just want right now, okay? They talk about doing things like nuking the filibuster or packing the court. They don't stop and think about how this would backfire the next time that the right is in control. They don't stop and think about that. They just focus on what they want right now, not what it's going to lead to later. So for the right, this is kind of our advantage or our superpower. We can think more than five minutes ahead. So we can look at their ideas, take them to their natural conclusion, and we know where they're going to be in 10 years, even if they don't realize it yet. Okay? I remember back when I was in college, people used to tease each other about being gay. Like, they would call me gay as an insult. <laughs> Like they would just, it was just, a, it was just a way that, you know, it was a way that guys joked around with each other. This was just a common thing. Or sometimes someone would say something stupid and then other people would say, oh, that's gay, you know, and they would mean, well, that's stupid or that's dumb. But 10 or, 10 or 20 years ago, people used to just say, oh, that's gay. Like that was just used as a pejorative. Now, I didn't mind, I didn't mind, you know, people saying that. But what always confused me is that the people saying that a lot they were people who were the, they considered themselves the pro-gay people. They would consider themselves the pro-gay marriage people. And yet when they saw something dumb, they'd say, oh, that's gay. Or when they wanted to insult someone, they'd call them gay. And I would be like, I don't understand how this makes sense on your worldview. Why are you calling me gay when you're the one who thinks it's fine to be gay? <laughs> like, I was the Christian. I was at least the one who thought it was wrong to be gay. So I could see why that would be an insult. But to them, I'm like, on your worldview, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem consistent. If you think it's okay and it's fine and worth celebrating to be gay, why do you call other people gay as an insult? Why do you use it as a pejorative to call something dumb? <laughs> and after a few years, they realized this about themselves. They, they eventually caught on to what their own words, what they were saying, and they stopped doing it. Then it became, you know, it became a slur to call someone gay as an insult. You know, that became a slur later on to do something like that. But back then, I had thought through the logical outcomes of their positions better than they had, okay? From 2002 to 2012, the word intolerant was a very popular insult. They would call you intolerant if, for example, you didn't approve of homosexual relationships. Now, I never understood why tolerance was a virtue to begin with. Nobody ever stopped and explained that to me why I should even be tolerant in the first place. And let me explain what tolerance means, okay? Tolerant means that you think something is wrong, but you're putting up with it, okay? So so whenever people would call me intolerant, okay, about, say, homosexuality, if they didn't think that homosexuality was bad anyway, then they weren't tolerating it themselves. If they thought it was okay, then they didn't need to tolerate it. They could just appreciate it, okay? They didn't tolerate anything, Tolerating something means you think it's wrong, but you just put up with it anyway. 
Well, that wouldn't describe their point of view. If they don't think homosexuality is wrong, if they don't think alternative sexual lifestyles are wrong, then they're not tolerating them. They're accepting them. So they weren't tolerating anything. Second, it was not just some word that only applied to sex. Tolerance meant putting up with anyone who disagreed with you. So they were the ones who were not tolerating me. They were just as intolerant as I was. But they couldn't wrap their minds around this. They wanted to make the word mean whatever they wanted it to mean. So they'd say, oh, it's okay to be intolerant of intolerance. You know, that was what you hear. They'd say, you're intolerant. I'd say, well, you're intolerant too. And they'd say, well, it's okay to be intolerant of intolerance. Well, guess what? Not according to the dictionary. According to the dictionary, they're just as intolerant as I am. Intolerance, number three, it's not a virtue. Intolerance never was. There's just certain things that we should not tolerate. It's never virtuous to tolerate something that's evil. <laughs> so, so they were the people calling you intolerant for all that time. It was a meaningless insult. And I realized this right away. Like it never bothered me to be called intolerant. I would just point out to them that it was not logical for them to say that. But they just kept hammering away at that intolerant, intolerant, intolerant until finally they thought through the logic of their position. But I had thought through the logic of their position already because the left doesn't think through their own logic and arrive at the conclusions. They don't even do that with their own positions. So you'll find this with the progressive left that's supposedly thinking of progress all the time, but it's like they don't try to do that anymore because they no longer have any concept of the long-term effects of what they're trying to do. And this is good for us because that's why we can predict their future moves better than they can, okay? Um, It's kind of like with Wilhelm Reich, who we discussed in the last episode, okay? Wilhelm Reich, um, so he endorsed the idea that children were sexual from birth, and he endorsed the idea that we need to start teaching sex ed in schools, but he himself did not endorse pedophilia. But whenever he was asked why it was wrong, he couldn't come up with an answer of why it was wrong. He just knew it was wrong. Like (laughs) there's something inside of him who he knew it was wrong, but he couldn't explain how. So when people said, well, if you say children are sexual from birth and we need to be teaching them sex, what's wrong with kids having sex? He could not explain why that was wrong. So he just left things where they were, but it was always that next generation of thinkers who came along and they pushed those ideas forward, okay? Which when I say forward, I really mean into insanity, but they push his ideas They take his ideas and push them to their logical conclusion. And that is what we're seeing now. Now we're seeing things like the MAP movement, okay? MAP stands for Minor Attracted Person. And this is the new rebranding that the left is trying to give pedophiles. Instead of calling them pedophiles, we're going to start calling them MAPs, okay? This new new word, Minor Attracted Person. This new phrase you're supposed to learn to describe people who are attracted to children. And we're in academia... We're starting to see the philosophers say that based on, you know, current understandings about human sexuality and gender and identity and sex and all that kind of stuff, that there's really no more logical reason anymore to deny the validity of adult child sexual relationships. That the consent thing, you know, for there's already philosophers pointing this out in academia and you're seeing it more and more over the past couple of years. It's really started to be a lot more common that they're coming out and saying that there's no logical reason that we let kids consent to all these radical changes to their body, permanent changes to their body in relation to their gender. But then we tell them that they can't be having sex. Steven Kirshner, he's that professor up at um, the State University of New York, and he's a pro-pedophilia professor. 
who's written philosophy books on this subject, who says that he sees nothing wrong with adult-child sexual relationships. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake, and I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult-child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. And there's, this is summertime, and there's been a lot of camps going on during the summer that are things like over in Kentucky, Sexy Summer Camp, where they teach kids about uh, sexual identities and all this kind of stuff, and, and teach very young children about, as they call it, exploring their bodies. That's how we should, you know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages, all ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Exploring your body at any age, grandmas, grandpas, all of us need to be exploring our body. I mean, in a, in a sane society, a woman like that would be locked up and we'd never hear from her again, okay? In a halfway sane society, she wouldn't be allowed to operate a camp for children. She's obviously a disgusting pervert, but we know exactly what's going on, okay? Pedophilia, ch adult child sexual relationships, they're being more and more normalized. We can see exactly what this is because we see them using the same tactics that were used to promote homosexuality just a few decades ago. They start changing the language, to calling it a map, okay? They, they rebrand pedophiles as minor attracted persons. They make them in a minority class. They talk about how they are oppressed. Slate, a few years ago, ran a, 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 a Slate is a far left publication online. They ran an article, uh, an, an opinion column written by a non-practicing pedophile talking about how he's, he wishes people wouldn't view him as a monster because he, he's attracted to kids, but he would never act out on his attraction. And he just wants people to stop treating him like a monster because he's open about his sex, what he calls his sexual orientation towards kids, okay? That's another trick that society does when it wants to normalize something, they call it a sexual orientation. They talk about how people are born that way and they can't change. It's wrong to try to change a person's sexual orientation. So if you were born a certain way, and you can't do anything about it, how could it be wrong? Okay, we've seen all this before. We've seen how this plays out. That's what their slogans like, love is love, two consenting adults. You know, when you say stuff like that, all you have to do then is change the consent laws. And that's where this is going. Because how can you say that a child could make a life-changing permanent decision about their gender, but not about their sexuality? It's not logically consistent. So we can see where this is going. We can see the next battleground ahead and we can take their ideas to their logical conclusions. I don't think it's gonna be polygamy or incest. It's gonna be pedophilia. So let's talk about how to fight back because uh, we live in an ocean of expressive individualism. And if you want to stand against it, if you want to keep your head above the water, here's what we should do, okay? One, examine our foundations. We struggle to communicate with leftists because we operate on different premises, okay? Different foundations. So we need to make sure our foundation is based on moral principles, 
not what they do where they just find some individual stories that tug at the heartstrings. You got to make sure that you know where you stand. That's why I talked about everything in the previous episode of understanding where they come from on everything. But don't just understand where they come from. Make sure you know why you believe what you believe. What are you What are you rooted in? And for a Christian, that's easy for me to say. I can point to the Bible. If you're listening and you're a more conservative person, but maybe you're, you're not uh, specifically a Christian, you just kind of know you have a Judeo-Christian ethic, but we, you got to find something to where you know where you stand, what you're grounded in. Because if you, if you don't know that, then you're not going to be able to defend your position. Number two, what we need to do, I think, as conservatives is be better at building a community. That's what the LGBT lobby did. They supported each other. Okay, They, they created this coalition, the L, the G, the B, and the T. They brought it all to, and today the acronym goes on a lot further. But if we are, that's how they were able to make so much progress in the culture is that they built a community. And if we are going to survive and show people a better way, we need a genuine community too. Okay. So I'd, I'd say we need a, conservatives need a community. And that means that when each other makes mistakes, we don't jump down each other's throats. Okay. We support each other. We don't tear each other down. We recognize that, you know, conservatives can have a lot of different ideas. Sometimes our ideas, you know, we want to vote for different people for president. That means that if you like Trump and someone else likes Ted Cruz, you don't try to destroy them because <laughs> they don't love Trump as much as you do or something like that. That's we got to remember that where we have 80 or 90 percent agree with, agreement with each other. That is what we need to focus on and not focus on our differences between each other. OK, um, that's what it means to be a community. I think conservatives are often quick to turn their guns on each other and say, hey, you're not as committed to this movement as I am. And they get into a shooting match with each other. And then the left steamrolls over the culture. We need to stop fighting each other and focus more on fighting our true enemies. Three, don't use their lingo. Don't use preferred pronouns. Don't use the language and vocabulary that the left uses. Okay. That's why I don't go along with, yeah, they're always rejigging the LGBT acronym where they add Q, A, I, plus sign, minus sign, equal sign, asterisks. I don't do all that stuff. I just say LGBT. Why? Well, because like 15 years ago, that's what it was called. And they have changed it a dozen times since then. It's still always in flux. You look at five different pride announcements and they're going to say LGBTQ, LGBTQ+, LGBTAIIP, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to try to keep up with that. I'm going to say LGBT because that's what the original, it, it encapsulates all of them, okay? People know what I mean when I say LGBT. So I'm not going to go along with how they want to keep playing with language all the time. And I don't think you should either. I don't like to use the term transgender woman. You know, when, when you say that, a transgender woman is technically when a woman, or sorry, when a man believes he's a woman. Okay, they call that in in culture a transgender woman. Well, I don't like that because that makes woman into the noun. And if you're a man who thinks you're a woman, then the noun is still man. It's not supposed to be transgender woman. So I don't use that phrase and nobody can force me to. Okay, I'll say a man who thinks he's a woman. And if they try to force you to say something else, I want to say, no, I stick to traditional definitions. And if they say language always changes, so you just got to move with language as it changes. I would say, yes, it is true that language naturally evolves, but the left is weaponizing the redefinition of language to get their way on stuff. And I'm not going to go along with that. 
So what we're talking about here is not the natural evolution of language, it's the genetic engineering of language. And I'm not playing along with that. And, and you tell them you're not going to either. Four, I think we need to make them own John Money. Right? If you went, let's say you got a time machine and you went back in time 200 years ago and you, and you talked to someone and said, and you know, you were talking about modern gender theories that people in modern times have. And, and they said, whoa, when did people start saying that gender and sex were two different things? Okay? If they asked you that, you'd have to point them to John Money. He's the one who came up with this division between sex and gender. He's the psychologist who introduced this concept to the world that the world is now run away with. All right? It can all be laid at the feet of John Money. And if you listened to the previous program, and I hope you did, this is the man who was a pedophile apologist. He involuntarily sexually reassigned a, a young boy, made him be raised as a girl, did, ex did sexual experimentation on him and his brother, leading them to be so traumatized that they had drug problems and both died at a young age, one by suicide, the other by a drug overdose. Okay? That is what John Money did. So anytime someone comes to you and says, well, didn't you know gender is a social construct? Okay, anytime someone tries to talk to you about gender identity or tries to act like you're the ignorant one because you don't understand why those are two different things, you point out to them that those are the ramblings of a psychotic, delusional lunatic who preyed on children. I've noticed that if you point this fact out to them, and, and you don't have to be rude about it, you just say, those are the psychotic ramblings of a pedophile. Go look it up for yourself. Tell them about John Money. Tell them what he did. And say, and you, you can go to their Wikipedia page. It says he is the man who came up with the terms gender identity. That comes from him. He's the one who created the division in sex and gender. And he did that experiment on the twin boys, and that experiment backfired on his theories. And yet he still promoted his theories as if they were true. And the world has run away with them. You make them own John Money, okay? I found this to be really effective on my Twitter interactions. <laughs> when someone wants to start getting into a fight with me, there's this, there's this girl recently, Erin. You know, if you follow us on the fake, at Fake News Weekly on Twitter, okay, go follow us on there. Um, <laughs> there there's this girl who kept harassing me because she thought I was homophobic and transphobic and all this stuff because I didn't recognize that gender was a social construct. So I informed her about John Mooney and it was just facts. I just gave her facts. I wasn't mean about it. And that shut her up. And honestly, if we just shut them up with facts, I'd call that a win. And she came back and was harassing me later. I replied, Aaron, did you ever finish researching the psychotic pedophile who created the belief system that you follow on gender? Or are you still in denial about that? And then she went away again. This will shut down people who want to talk about this gender identity thing because they have to realize the genesis of their own worldview and they don't like it. So number four there, make them own John Money. Make sure they know about John Money and make sure they, stand, they know who they're standing by when they espouse his insane belief system. Number five, stay strong because time is on our side. They say that we are on the wrong side of history. And I know that nobody can know the future, but here's what I do know. The LGBT thing is going to collapse at some point. They are not going to last as a coalition. They are a house divided. The L and the T cannot stand each other. They have conflicting premises. They say, oh, we can't change sexual orientation because it's rooted, it's, it's biological, it's rooted in who you are and you were born with it. But then whenever it comes to our gender, our, our, <laughs> whether we're male or female, they say that can be fluid, that that has nothing to do with biology. It's logically incoherent. They have conflicting premises. 
They are going to cause so much damage. They're going to destroy women's sports. They destroy each other's goals for the future. The kids who get on puberty blockers, they're going to freak out in a few years over what was done to them. These kids who mutilated their bodies, they mutilated these kids' bodies. They're the ones who psychologically abused these kids and made them accept this irreparable damage that was done to them. And those kids are not going to be psychologically healthy in a few years either. Okay? There's going to be a big backlash to this stuff, and it's just a few years away. So if we stay strong, we can outlast this transgender insanity. Well, I'm going to close down here in just a minute, uh, but I do want to go ahead and mention um, (laughs) if my voice can hold out any longer. um, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and that's a Bible study podcast. So if that's the kind of thing that you're into, uh, I invite you to go check that one out. I would consider that one of my main podcasts. I put a lot more effort into that one than I do into this one. Although I will tell you this episode today, this two-parter thing that I did, this this took quite a bit of effort itself. (laughs) So... This was this was a lot of research that went into this, and um, I hope you've learned something from it. I hope you've been inspired to stand strong, and I hope you've been more aware of what we've seen going on in the culture. So I want to close down in a minute, but I just want to plug my other show, Cross References. You can find it anywhere that you find this podcast. You can find Cross References. It's also on YouTube, and uh, I also put it on Rumble. Um, I don't put this one on Rumble, but I put Cross References on there. And uh, I'll mention this, too, if you want to get in touch with fake news a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, just send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. That's our email. It's also in the show notes, fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. And as we close down, um, you know, I mentioned I have a Bible study podcast. I want to end this podcast with another little study from John chapter 8 in the Bible. And again, even if you're not a Christian yourself listening right now, I I think you'll find this, um, I think you'll find this helpful, that in John 8, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews who said that they were children of Abraham, referring to the epic Old Testament patriarch. And uh, they're having a heated discussion with each other. (laughs) It's going to get very heated because they're arguing over who follows Abraham's words better. They said in John chapter 8, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So they're saying to Jesus, hey, at least we know who our father is. (laughs) Because Jesus, as as you are probably aware, he's born of a virgin, uh, that an angel came to Mary and said God was going to make Jesus be supernaturally conceived within her. So this was a pretty radical, mind-blowing thing to do. A lot of people today even have trouble believing this. The Jews of Jesus's time certainly did not believe it. They said, oh no, we don't know who Mary got with, but she must have got with somebody and got pregnant, and that's where Jesus came from. So they said to Jesus, at least we know who our father is, to say, you don't even know your own father. Because they believe that Jesus, you know, came from an illegitimate union. So this is what they're really saying to Jesus. They're saying, at least we aren't a bastard like you. And I'm using the word bastard there as the, that is how, that's the word, it's a word from the Bible. It means to not know your father or to be from an illegitimate union. So they're saying to Jesus, at least we're not a bastard like you. These are, this is a really heated discussion. And here's how Jesus replied to them. 
Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> so he says, hey, you say, I don't know my dad. You don't know your dad. You're from the devil. <laughs> this is a real, this is a really testy exchange here. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says, hey, you might think you follow Abraham, but you don't do what he said. You might think you follow Moses, but you don't do what he said. You may think you follow God, but you don't do what he said. And Jesus said to them, your father, your spiritual father is the devil. Because at least you do what the devil said. So what's Jesus pointing out here? He understood that our actions are built on our beliefs and our beliefs are built on our worldviews. And we don't create our own worldviews. They're handed down to us by our spiritual fathers. Now, I've been joking throughout today that the devil's not as subtle as he used to be. But um, I only say that because if you look back over the past few thousand years and even the past few hundred years, he is a lot sneakier. People don't recognize him anymore behind these lies that the modern culture believes. They think their beliefs might come from John Money or Karl Marx or Sigmund Freud or Friedrich Nietzsche or Jean-Jacques Rousseau. But make no mistake, these beliefs don't come from those men. They come from the devil himself. This insane, demented, psychotic, delusional, deviant sexual perversity. This comes from nobody but the devil. He was a deviant from the beginning. And if you follow this filth, you follow him. Thanks for tuning in to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if you hear that tolerance or pride is a virtue, that's just fake news. <laughs>